please turn with me to chapter 11. I think it's just worth uh, it's worth reminding ourselves where we, we find ourselves in Isaiah. We have a different, uh, we've gone through the first 10 chapters so far. But in chapter 7 through to 12, there's a little bit of a pattern. It can be called within the book of Isaiah, the book of Emmanuel. So there we met with King Ahaz in chapter 7. And he's told that there's going to be a, a, a son to come, Emmanuel, God with us. And then in chapters 7 through to 12, or 7 to, to, to 9 initially, we have this pattern. Where there's a decision to be made by God's people. Are they going to trust in God or man? And they decide to go their own way. And that brings God's judgment. But even in the midst of God's judgment. There's this glimmer of hope of a remnant. That God's going to keep for himself. A very special and redeemed people. We have this glimmer of hope of oh, or grace. And then there's great triumph isn't there? So think at the, the beginning of Isaiah chapter 9. The Messiah is going to come and he's going to be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So that his government will have no end and that is what Jesus will bring. An amazing, amazing place. A different kind of kingdom. And then in verse 8 of chapter 9, we're back round to the very first problem. The decision that people have to make. Are they going to trust in man? Are they going to trust in God? And what do they do? They're going to trust in Man, not God. And that's what we thought about last time, especially those, those uh, decisions that we'll, they will make that will bring judgment on themselves and there'll be judgment from God, but still there is grace. So in verse 20 of chapter 10, in that day a remnant of Israel will, uh, will be there, that they're to rely on the Lord, that is still, even with all God's judgment on them, even though they have rejected God over and over God is going to save for himself a very special people. So we have this glimmer of hope and grace. So in chapter 11 and 12, we get more of that grace and of that triumph that Jesus will bring. For this is what we've got to look forward to. A coming king that will gather his people into a new kingdom. That's what chapter 11 and 12 is about as well. That there's going to be a king that will come. That will gather his people. And initially it will be in the Old Testament. But we know it looks forward to something greater, doesn't it? Into a new kingdom. So the last verse of chapter 10 talks about the trees being cut down. Israel will be cut down to the very knees. It seems though Israel or Judah will be wiped off the face of the, of the earth. But out of the stump, what do we see in verse 1? We have a shoot. So in verse 1, we have the, the stump of Jesse. Who is Jesse? Jesse's David's daddy, isn't it? The shepherd outside that, the village of Bethlehem, where Bethlehem will be important again when it comes to, to Jesus, of course. But here we have, the, from the stump of Jesse, will be a shoot. So where we would recognize the phrase about the line of David, that someone will come from the line of David, here Isaiah is just saying it's going to be from the line of Jesse. Okay, so it's, it's going to be someone after Jesse, okay? That there's somebody that's going to come, a shoot from the stump of Jesse. But look at verse 10 with me. So here we have somebody that's going to come after Jesse because he's a shoot out of a stump. But what's below the stump? The root. <laughs> so in verse 10, here we have someone that is the root of Jesse, the person that gives Jesse life. 
is both the root and the shoot. Who is it? Well, it's not Jesse's daddy. Like it was David, it was his daddy's Jesse. No, this is Jesus, isn't it? Someone who is after Jesse, but someone who is also before. Someone who is from eternity past and someone who is going to come on this earth as the new king. Here it is looking forward to this promised Messiah, Jesus. So he's verse 1, that shall come forth the shoot from the stump of Jesse or the root of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. A branch from this roots. This word branch can also mean grain. The same word, nazir. Okay. So as we've celebrated Christmas and we've done the, the different Bible stories, in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, remember King Herod's really, really angry and he sends a, a decree to kill all the, the baby boys under two. But what happens to Mary and Joseph? Well, Joseph has a dream and they escape to Egypt where God's people escaped from previously. There, Mary and Joseph's, Joseph find refuge. And whenever they go to Egypt, but later when they return to Nazareth, Matthew tells us it's to fulfill what God says through the prophet, that he will be a Nazarene. <laughs> He'll be the green one, the shoot, the stump of David. The one that we get to look forward to, this promised Messiah. So let's look at this Messiah tonight, his rule and what he will do. So that's our first point tonight, just the Messiah's rule. So chapter 9 is very familiar to us. We, we read it all the time at Christmas about the reign of Jesus, that he is powerful, that he is everlasting, that he's going to bring peace. He's the wise one. And here we get a little bit more detail, if you like, or new things perhaps are fleshed out a wee bit differently about Jesus' rule. That he's from going to be from the line of Jesse. So the line of David means he's qualified for the rule. And God promised that it would be from the line of David. So he's qualified, but he's also fully equipped for office, isn't he? So think of all the, the bad kings of Israel or of Judah. They're all from the line of David, but some of them are really weak. They might have been qualified, but they certainly were not equipped. Why were they not equipped? Well, unlike the bad kings, Jesus, in verse 2, he's empowered by the Spirit. He's empowered by the Spirit. In the Old Testament, God's spirit was especially for prophets, priests, and kings. For God's special prophetic people. Post-Pentecost, it's for all people. And we remind about that this morning in clock. And here in, in the Old Testament, as Saul's spirit was removed, he was no longer God's chosen instrument to bring his message. But here God's spirit is going to be resting on Jesus. So verse 2 describes what Jesus is like. And we see this in his life in the Gospels. What's Jesus like? He is one who the, the Spirit shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Luke's Gospel tells us. And as Jesus grew older, he grew in wisdom and stature before the Lord and before men. Jesus is always growing. He was conceived by the Spirit even before that. He is baptized and the Spirit came upon him. Throughout his life we see this and his resurrection is there as well. That Jesus is the one of spirit of knowledge. He's the spirit of counsel and of might. Not one misplaced word did Jesus have. And many have we had today. 
quite a few, I'm sure. But not our Lord Jesus. Always perfect, empowered by God's Spirit, for he is has this perfect fear of God. <clears throat> Didn't fear man. Otherwise, he would be like Jonah, run the opposite direction. He had a greater fear of the Lord. So what can man do to the body once it's dead? Nothing. And Jesus had this perfect fear of the Lord as he's empowered by God's Spirit. And he shows that through his power. So he lives in our So verses 3 and 4. We even see this in Christ's life, don't we? He doesn't judge by what the eyes see. How often does Jesus look in the crowds and we read in the Bible and discerning what was in their hearts, Jesus said. Not just what they saw in the eyes. He was able to look inside. Not just what his eyes saw, but what his spirit discerned. And same with his ear. And people trying to trick him with questions. He knew the motive behind them. And he had this, this perfect power that would rule with justice and righteousness. See, this is looking forward to the Messiah coming. But this is looking forward even for us, isn't it? Jesus didn't come to bring justice and righteousness and his perfect rule on earth now. Otherwise, the world would be so much different. But this is what we've got to look forward to. This second coming where everything will be changed, where this righteous reign will be there for all to see and that we would be see the fruit of his kingship. Because look at his influence that Christ has as he comes again, verses 6 to 9. It's like watching a children's TV program here a little bit where they don't want to get all gory and stuff, just everyone's happy. The wolf living beside the lamb so the, 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 the bear and the cow grazing together. See, his perfect rule and his perfect wisdom, perfect power and righteousness, this is what it looks like. A harmony in creation. The whole of creation. Not just between man, but between the wildlife as well. Now, I'm sure many of us have watched many of Attenborough's wildlife documentaries or have seen clips. You know, we can see the, the rabbit running through the fields. Then it cuts to the, the eagle in the air, sweeping down. And you'll get to see the, the bit of the eagle snatching away the rabbit, won't you? We've also seen the gazelle run through the, the safari and the lion chase. We don't get to see the bite, sure, we don't quite often, the, the cats. That's what nature is like, isn't it? There's predators and there's prey. But here, Jesus, his influence is the carnivores will be herbivores. <laughs> the bear will be grazing. That the, the children will be able to play with the snakes. Why? Because there's no danger. There's this perfect peace and harmony. So Adam, as he brought spiritual death and, and physical death, Jesus, this new king, will bring spiritual and physical redemption in all of creation. All of it. There'll be a new heavens and a new earth. See, here we have Jesus. The one who has the perfect fear of the Lord. He's going to fear God more than fearing man. And as Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. Um, Matthew and Luke record quite a bit about Jesus' temptations. Uh, but Mark does, uh, does very, very little. But in Mark's gospel we read that after Jesus had this tumultuous battle with evil. And remember he's 40 days, 40 nights without food. And tempted in those three ways. We read in Mark's gospel that Jesus was ministered to by the angels 
with the wild animals. It's a strange thing to have, isn't it? But what if Mark's given us a little indication of what is to come, that the wild animals under the Lordship of Jesus aren't really that wild. <coughs> so here we have the wolves and the lamb, the children with the lions. It's an extraordinary picture of peace. Anybody in the lion's den or in the sea, feed some lions perhaps even, but the time will come where we'll be able to do just that and be with them, all the animals. And this is only available in Jesus, this hope of redemption, the physical hope too, that death is defeated, that there is this eternal peace between us and God, man and even nature. And only Christ does it when he returns and he'll bring this new kingdom. That is how he rules. Mark earlier today talked about he used to train dogs. Probably failed most of the time, didn't he? That's why he's in ministry now, maybe too. But we all know that feeling of trying to, to get an animal to do what you want. It just doesn't happen. They'll nip you even though they've never nipped you before. They're all those things. But here, this new kingdom, when Christ returns, it's going to be totally different. The lion will eat straw. The young shall lie down beside the animals. The, the, the children playing with the snakes. All because of this perfect rule of our saviour. Empowered by God's spirit. He shows his power over our sin and death. And this whole creation. The Messiah's rule. And then what does the Messiah do? This is how he's going to rule. But as he begins his rule. He's going to gather a people. He's going to gather a people. So verses 10 through to 16. Uh, 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 really even into the chapter 12. There's this in that day. In this day where Christ will reign forever. What is going to happen? Well here's what's going to happen. Verse 10. In that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a, a signal or a banner for all the peoples. And his resting place shall be glorious. In that day it will extend his hand yet a second time. The remnant that remains of his people. And then he lists basically all the known world here. That Jesus' kingdom is not just going to be Judah. Not just going to be Jerusalem. Not even going to be just Mount Zion. But it's going to be everywhere. Every corner of the earth will be under his rule. And people will come from all over those places. For this Lord Jesus, this king that we can look forward to. He is the banner for this world. Jesus has been described as a root, a shoot, but now he's a banner. Root and shoot low to the ground, but here we have a banner lifted up for everybody else to see. In chapter 5, he's a banner that will bring judgment, but now he's a banner that will bring blessing. A blessing that allows us to be part of these, this gathered people. And this this signal that as Christ lifted up is the cross, isn't it? Just as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness and as people looked to that serpent to be saved, so are we saved by looking to the cross of Jesus. That he is that cross that is lifted, that signal, that banner that is up. And as we trust in him, what does it bring us? The end of verse 10, that his resting place, our resting place, Shall be glorious. Now this isn't talking about our plot in the graveyard beside us. 
That people talk about that being their resting place, don't they? Well, here it's not what Jesus or what Isaiah is talking about, but it's home. Not the grave, but home, a place of ultimate security and ultimate peace. A place, like verses 6 to 9, where everything's perfect under his everlasting rule. See, this Lord Jesus, he is our banner that we look to. And just as we were able to, to see him and turn and repent of sin and, and trust in him, that he too is still the banner for this world, isn't he? He is the hope of all nations. And we are to lift high the message of his cross. And he will work because he continues to gather nations home. He still works, still gathers. So verses 11 to 16, we have the initial meaning of this. that The people will go off to exile and they will return. But that God's people will be all over the world and he will bring a new kingdom. Just as judgment, as we read of in the Old Testament, is a picture of what is to come for all sinners. So here this is as well. To, to becoming home in terms of exile initially, but also in eternity. And verses 11 to 16, we have the, the gathering of the scattered people. And there's echoes and reminders to us of the past, isn't there? There's names that will instantly be recognisable to us. The Philistines, the Edom and, and Moab, the Ammonites, the Egyptians. All these people remind, bringing reminders of the past. But it's the end of verses 15 and 16 that is the, probably the easiest for us to see, isn't it? He's talking about what he will do to Egypt, but it echoes of the past, doesn't it? That he'll destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt. That there'll be a, a scorching breath or wind. He will lead people across in sandals. That there will be a, a highway, not from Egypt, but from Assyria. It's echoes of Exodus 14, isn't it? When God's people were on the run. God has sent the, the plagues to, to convince Merrow to let his people go. And whenever they get going, what happens? They be hunted down, don't they? And they're faced with the Red Sea before them, the chariots behind them. And what happens is that God sends a wind or his spirit. And the spirit blows over the Red Sea and opens a path of safety. <coughs> As people walk across in their sandals, they don't get wet. And as they step foot on the other side, it comes crushing in on the Egyptians. That there's a highway through the middle of the Red Sea. And to bring them, eventually it will lead them to home. And here God's going to bring a, a, a new highway from exile. But also a new highway for us in eternity. From every nation and corner of this earth, God will move by his spirit. For who knows where he will blow? It's this word for spirit and, and Wednesday is the exact same in, in, in the Old Testament, God's word. So God's spirit saved God's people Israel as they escaped Egypt. It's God's spirit who will save us through faith in Jesus as we get on that highway to our eternal home. For Jesus is that one that we look to. And we look forward to this kingdom coming for all people to be gathered, including ourselves. But what about in the meantime? It all sounds so good. And I look forward to the day of the new heavens and new earth where I die beforehand. 
<coughs> what about the meantime? Where there's not eternal peace, where there's not doesn't seem to be an everlasting father on the throne, where the lion and the lamb can't lie down together, or as one will be mauled, where we can't let our children play with snakes. What about the meantime? We can look forward to this kingdom. But this is the kingdom we ought to proclaim to. Last year, about this time of year, we went to, to London for a few days. And when we were there, we went to the Tower of London. And well, we didn't get a tour, but some of you have been on holidays, even recently. And you know the, the tour guides in different places that you might be. So it might be the Tower of London or, or somewhere else. And if there's bus tours, there's a different kind of, of people on those as well, isn't there? They get off the bus and they scatter everywhere and the tour guide has to try and get their attention again, don't they? They've got their little flag up for all to see and they're trying to, to gather people's attention. But while we were there, as a, I can't remember, Susanna was a, going to sleep and we were sitting down watching everything that was going on. We were able to, to witness some of these tour guides a, bringing people around the, the Tower of London. You know, the beef feeder's there, but so's the tour guide. You can ask all kinds of questions, can't you? You can say, well, what's that? What's the ravens for? You know, they, they take you around and say, well, there's the water gates. You know, there's where the crown jewels are. There's where someone was hanged. There's the church where somebody is buried. And you can ask all kinds of questions and you'll get some sort of answer. And maybe a correct answer as well. But the, the, every time they moved... Or they stood around a circle listening to the beef eater under the tour guide. You can imagine they're walking off like, like children, taking pictures of, of somewhere else. And the tour guide's running after them, trying to, to gather them all together, shouting after them, waving the big flag, saying, would you just stay here? Our role of tour guides, isn't it? To try and gather people up, waving not the big red flag of listen to us what we have to say about the Tower of London. But look at this Jesus. Look at this kingdom that he has. Look at the crown that he has to offer us through faith. As we travel through life, we lift up the name of Jesus as our banner over us. As we direct people and say, well, here's our water gate. Here's the, the entry into a new season for us in life. Jesus is with us. The gallows where, where things are really difficult for us. Don't feel sorry for us. But here's our Jesus. The church that we go to. It might be pretty and might be ornate. But it's not about that. It's about Jesus. And we lift his name high. For he will gather his people. He is the message that we lift up and proclaim. He is the one who will also gather his people. And he still does, doesn't he? We're evidence of that. The work of his grace. That he has been that highway for us. Christ walked through life. His highway was marked with extreme suffering. To be lifted up and cursed. Yet we look to him as our redeemer and our ever reigning king. And we can look forward to being gathered with all of God's holy people. Where the lion, yeah. It will lie down with the lamb. We will have this glorious rest. Why? Well, to change the picture slightly, the lamb of God rescued us. His banner is the one that we proclaim and fly. And his cross is where we get to experience this ever-reigning new kingdom 
that we can look forward to. Let's pray.